Hello and welcome to the Struggling Stoic podcast. So this is a podcast about the nitty-gritty details of practicing Stoicism. And it's called the Struggling Stoic because I find it to be such a struggle to cultivate a Stoic mindset myself. And I suspect that a lot of people uh, do as well, a lot of other Stoics. Uh, which is why I want to talk to them about this subject. And with me today I have uh, Hampus Jakobsen. Uh, he is, in addition to being a struggling stoic, uh, an ex-startup founder. He built the company TAT, uh, the Astonishing Tribe, which was acquired by BlackBerry in 2010. Um, and after that, Humpus started investing in companies and has to date invested in over 100 companies. And then, actually, uh, he's an investor in my startup. So that's where we got to know each other. And I'm excited to interview Humpus uh, because he's the kind of guy that always responds when I need help. And I know that he has that role in many other people's lives as well, as I've talked to a bunch of other founders who've said the same. Uh, so he must be a busy guy and have a lot of things on his plate and probably needs some kind of philosophy or mindset to juggle all of these uh, balls. And today, Hampus works as a venture partner at Blue Yard Capital, where he's focusing on preventing climate change. Uh, and in addition to all that, he's a husband and a father of three. So we have quite a lot of stuff to dig into here. Uh, so Hampus, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So um, let's just start at the beginning. And how did you get into Stoicism? I think partly I think I was raised in it. Uh, I don't think my parents aren't like outspoken Stoics or anything. But I'm, I'm the fourth child. And I think my parents are kind of a bit less affair when it comes to, when it came to me. They were just like, I mean, if you have three older kids and you have the fourth, everything's going to be fine. You don't really bother but of course um i think like my parents like they you know they loved and everything but they were just not much for like whining or me acting like a kid so a lot of times my parents were just like yeah it's okay like just shut up um and i think that so i think that i sort of didn't sort of think about stoicism a lot and i think that but i think when somebody said if somebody said you know 15 years ago 10 years ago says like are you stoic i would have thought people meant asketism so which is like, you know, you just shut up and hold the pain inside and you just like, you know, you, you block yourself from like saying what you think and you believe and emotions. And I think it was Ryan Holiday. I, I read uh, Obstacle is the Way back in 2016. And when I read it, I felt it was like somebody wrote um, like almost everything was like obvious, like I turned page to page and it was like it was a weird combination of reading a book where it felt amazing, but it also felt that he didn't write anything new. Yeah. And that's a very strange combination. It's like, it's very rare. But it was something when I, you know, I turned the page and I was like, yeah, I agree to this too. And it's like, yeah, I love it. But like, did I learn anything? I don't know. It just felt somebody finished every sentence for me. So that was amazing. Um, but I think part of that is like, because when I was scaling my first company at TAT, as you mentioned, um, in 2007, it was an extraordinary hectical year and hectical to the degree where I had a very, very hard time focusing uh, on my mind and I was very, very stressed. And I got into mindfulness um, and just tried to get rid of, you know, try to work with my emotions and everything and then started reading Buddhism. And uh, I liked a lot of things in Buddhism, but I never liked the spiritual ones. So I started finding a, a, a sort of a branch of spirit, uh, Buddhism called uh, secular Buddhism. And secular Buddhism is extremely, extremely similar to Stoicism. Um, so I think that I, I sort of practiced um, sort of the practices, so to say, since 2007. But I think in 2016, when I was like got into like reading the actual Stoic texts. Yeah. So, so that's interesting. I've, 
had other people here uh, on the podcast who've said that it has been uh, the struggles that have kind of pushed them into uh, stoicism or into the mindset. And you're saying here that you kind of needed something back in 2007 and that pushed you into uh, practicing meditation and mindfulness. Yeah, I, I actually think it's... it's um, I find stoicism to be very common among, among uh, startup founders um, because I think it is... And actually about in, among investors as well. And I think the reason is it's because I think it's... I think when people say Buddhism, it has a lot of religious connotations and a lot of like, uh, you know, candles and incense and uh, stuff like that. And, and that's like feels very and a lot of people in the startup world are rather secular. So I think for a lot of them, it's like they seek to have something which is the same, which is like control your mind and, you know, don't get too emotional. Uh, but they but they don't like the Buddhistic style of it. And I think the Buddhistic style of it can also be very become, or at least for me, it became very nihilistic. I could, I, when, when I read a lot of Buddhism, I can be very, very dark. Like I, I felt after a while, like I was supposed to not love anything and not even, you know, not anything at all. And then suddenly why even stay alive? And I think Stoicism does have that risk. Those are the things when I sort of read a lot of Stoicism. I, when you start feeling ultimate detachment, then suddenly it's like, why are you even, you know, getting up in the morning? Yeah, that's true. Uh, but um, I've thought a little bit about this myself uh, as a founder. And because as a founder, you, you constantly go around worrying about externals all the time. It's like, how will how yeah. will my product be received? What happens if that customer churns? And which is outside of your control or your direct control, at least. Um, so you, have you, did you find that um, stoicism or, or, or mindfulness helped you kind of detach from um, trying to control those kinds of things? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think for me, it's like a combination of, um, I would say like Buddhism, stoicism, but also hyper-rationalism. So I think for me, it's like Buddhism is the thing for me, which I go to when and this might even be the tint of the spiritual part of Buddhism, I realize. But it's like, when I think that everything feels like, okay, they, like they're going to churn or whatever, I sort of try to take a step back and realize it doesn't really matter. Like, we're all going to be, we're all space dust, and we're all going to be space dust in a, bit, a couple of, like, 100 billion years. And I think that even if that doesn't really help the feeling now, like, that helps a bit. And then I think Buddhism helps with me realizing that the, uh, you know, the person who's sort of angry at me is just another person. It's just a completely normal person. It's like, they don't have, like... Yeah, they're like I usually like use the uh, with my kids when I talk to them and it gets when my kids are like super pissed off and some kid at school I just like tell them you know villagers in Minecraft like anybody who's covered in Minecraft you run around and there are other players but they're villagers and the villagers you don't really bother like you don't really care if the villagers walks into your cabin you're not gonna kill them you're just like ah oh, villager walked into my cabin it's okay and I think that I just tell them you know when the kid is not at your school think of those villagers. Like, they don't, like, have intent. It's not that they're doing it to be evil. It's just, like, just they wander around, and it's, like, like you get angry if they do it with intent, right? Because then they feel like they hate you, or they, like, do it to, to piss you off. But if you think about the villagers, it's, like, okay. You're the person on the other side of the call who's angry, like, the investor's angry at me because, like, we're having churning customers. He's just a villager. Like, it's not that he hates me, right? It's just, like, he's an NPC. And I think when I started to think about people as NPCs, non-player characters from role-playing games, that sort of really helps me to kind of relax. And then I think the third part is like, alt, uh, like being extremely rational, just trying to think of like what are outside my control, what are inside my control, and then I'm like these are inside my control. And like what are all the steps I can do to kind of improve this? And if I realize like I've done the steps I can take, then I just like, okay, relax. And it's like, do I worry? Yeah. But can I do anything about it? No. 
but then then I can just let go. But I think that those three for me is like using those three different distances, like the extreme big one, the kind of the looking at the surroundings, and then the third one is like slicing the problem down to the details and looking like, is there any lever that I can like, you know, move? No. Okay. That, mm. like that's so, so uh, you said uh, three different perspectives there. Uh, uh, just uh, trying to grasp, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, was the Minecraft perspective? Which one was that? The middle one for me. It's like what I. One of the things I read, and one of the things one I think the biggest problem in life is the fact like life is a multiplayer game, and that you're constantly afraid that people have expectations of you that you're going to let them down, and I think that's one of the things I I strive so much to kind of pretend life is a single player game and that like I'm playing this game and if there's a leaderboard I'm and like I'm playing against myself I'm trying to do the next day better than the last day like I'm trying to get slightly higher high score and every day like I I, I like I respawn or I die or whatever and then like the next day is a new day and then everybody I meet during the day they're just NPCs in the game they're like villagers they don't really exist but they're part of the game so like I, if I like them, that's good, right? I, I like them. But I like if somebody says, if I realize, you know, oh no, I like I have like a boogie on my nose, and I've been in a restaurant for a long time. I was like, oh no. But then I was like, I mean, it doesn't really matter. There's villagers, right? It's not like it does. They're not real people. And I think that I do believe that people around me are real people. I care about them. But but you know, it just really really helps. Um, it's like I think that sometimes I actually think that an analogy to think about people like animals is kind of nice, because you know, like let's say that you were sitting in a small zoo and you realize you have like, you know, you, your, your fly is open, you wouldn't be very embarrassed. You'd be like, okay, so the giraffes, like, oh, okay, like you're just unzip your fly, you're gonna zip it again. But it's not that you would like to go and kick the giraffes or like kill the zebras or spit at the lions because they're animals. I mean, they're worthy beings. And I think that mindset really helps me to like, if I look at everybody around me and I think they're animals or like villagers in Minecraft, I sort of no longer get so stressed about things. Um, and if they happen to, I think that one of my favorite things of thinking is also like to try to interpret things as, as like without intent. Um, so Henlow's razor is, the, uh, is like the name for it. So it's like interpret things as clumsiness, not as malice. So you know, if, if somebody says something cruel to you, like you, if you think maybe they meant something else or maybe they said it to somebody else, then you just relax. But if you don't get invited to a party, and you interpret that as them hating you, then every day is going to be hell for you, especially with Instagram and everything. Totally. And um, I, I think that pers- perspective you're talking about there is, is so great because so many problems we have and so many worries are due to the fact that we think about people like very rational beings who who think a lot about you worse they yeah. go around worrying about themselves and playing their own game and exactly. don't give a shit about anybody else no. or at, at least a lot of people uh, but, but but i'm i'm curious to hear how did you uh, get started thinking uh, that way was that something you realized at some point or or, or had you so read had, about it and started implementing it or no so this actually came partly for me also when i was a kid so i had this i think most kids have this someday like so we were driving somewhere and i was in the back of the car and i think it was actually a day when i don't i don't think my brothers were in the car i think it was just me and my parents and i think we were driving somewhere far and just looking out the window and really bored and looked at other people in other cars and then suddenly it struck me like i wonder if they are looking out through their eyes the same way that i'm looking out my eyes and then I realized there was no way for me to figure it out. And I was like, what if I'm the only person that's looking out through my eyes? Like, what if everyone else is just, like, walking around and, like, I'm the only one with, like, a first-person shooter perspective on this one? Like, everyone else is just, you know, around me. 
And this is like, I'm 10, so there are not that many computer games around, especially not first-person shooters. And it's like, it really, really scared me. Like, I was really scared. It was like, you know, when you're a kid and realize the space is infinite. Like, I, I got dizzy. I was like, shit, what if I'm the only person looking out? And I was really thinking about it. I think I was 10. And I was like trying to ask my parents, but then I realized I can't ask them because they're just going to say stuff like, <laughs> they, 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 they can just pretend. Oh, that's that scary for a child. <laughs> yeah, so I got a bit scared. Your parents thinking, aren't real. <laughs> no, I mean, they're real, right? But they're real, like, you know, like zombies real. They don't really have anything in them. And I think then I started thinking about it a lot. And I think that... I sort of definitely used it uh, as a method then of coping, you know, when I was in school or something and like something like, you know, somebody's like, oh, why are you wearing stupid pants? I was like, they're not really real, are they? And like, you know, to a certain extent, just shrugged. I was like, I mean, this is just like, this is, um, this is a, you know, an NPC in a game who's saying this. It's like, it's part of the game. I should just like figure out a smart way to respond and, you know, everything because I'm trying to level and move on. And I was a lot into like role playing games when I was a kid. So I was really thinking about like to, how to get experience points and how to allocate them and everything. And I think that thing, that was really useful. And then I realized I really liked, I really like watched a lot of movies as well. Um, and I think one thing I always liked is like if you can pick a character out of a movie and you can be that character in a, in a, like in a, in a happening in life. So if somebody's like, you know, oh, like somebody has to help that, that child over there who dropped all their stuff. And it's like, you know, what would Batman do? Like, you know, Batman would just walk up and help them. So then it's like, okay, I'll just be Batman here. It's like, feels super scary, but I'll, I'll just do it. Like, I'm just Batman now for, for like eight minutes. I'm just gonna be Batman. And I realized that that was so amazing because that was... Like, it was so useful to just be a person at a movie uh, for, like, you know, a couple of minutes. And it, most people, when they think about that, they think that, you know, hit and fly and run. But, like, I was more thinking about, like, saying stuff like, I I'm sorry. And it's like, I actually took those things or whatever, which was so hard. But I was like, you know, what would the person at that movie do? And they would just go, oh, shit, that's so embarrassing. Like, that, the, like I didn't know they were yours. And, like, there, for two minutes, I just wore that character. And then I were like... Wow, that was so cool. And I leveled. I was like, wow, I just got experience points. So let's allocate them, like, you know, to, to like, you know, this and that. And I think that sort of got me started to think about this a lot. So does it happen that you sometimes think back on situations and think, oh, I should have had the um, Minecraft perspective in that situation because I kind of lost it and got yeah, too attached to the situation I itself? I have, I have a, just, I just the other day, I had this one of those incidents. Um, I have it constantly, of course. I have a very hard time when people are not rational. Like it's, uh, I mean, to a degree where I can like, I can lose it. And it's, it's frustrating. Um, so just the other day, um, like there was a little plastic, like little mini comb. Uh, like I finally found it. And it was like, like, it was kind of a weird thing in our kitchen. And I was like, what's this? Like some strange toy thing. And I realized where it was from. And I showed it to, like I have the youngest kids are eight years old. So I showed it to them as like, this is a crap, right? Like I can throw it away. And both of them were like, no, 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 I want it. And I was like, no, but it's one, like, you know, and it's crap. So like, just like, I'll throw it away. I mean, come and let me throw it away. And then both of them are like, no, 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 I really, really want it. And they realized, okay, so I should be like, okay, you can, you can have it. Like, but then I said, like, one of you, like, you can't have it both, right? <laughs> so like, decide who wants it. And then my girl, she was like, I want it, I want to start screaming. And then the boy, like, uh, the, these are the two youngest, he was like, I also want it. And then the girl said, okay, throw it. And I was like, what? And she said, just throw it. I was like, why would I throw it? Because, because none of us can have it then. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, I want it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but would you rather me to throw it away than having your brother to have it? And she 
yes. And then I just lost it. I was like, I'm not an economist, but like, obviously this is bad. This is like, you know, this is the prisoner's dilemma you're doing now. Like, this is, you know, like, it's better that he has it and he has to buy it from you from another thing, right? He can just say, you can have it if I get to have that other thing that you have that I want. And she was like, throw it away. I'd rather see it burn. And I was like, that just made me snap. And I just lost it on her. I was like, are you crazy? And I just completely lost it. And afterwards, I was like, she's eight. I mean, like, I could have just sat down and, like, you know, tried to, like, you know, reason with her. But I just completely lost it. I was like, you would let the world burn. And, like, uh, and I let, like the fact that she said it like that, I'd rather have it, like, I'd never let it burn. I was like... So that's one of those things where it's like, she had no intent, right? She was a villager in that moment. It was like, it was a level for me. I should have just been like, okay, okay, come on. Like, what should I do now? What should the, what should the right thing, what would Peter Parker do? Um, but I didn't. I just yeah. like, I lost it. But, but, but um, it's interesting. What do you think, do you have any triggers or anything that in those kinds of situations make you uh, gain that perspective again? I think that's an amazing question. And I, the thing is, I think this is one of those things where I think the ultimate thing would, would like the ultimate goal would to be to not snap for me. I think that if I could be in a situation where I was like, this person makes no sense. I love this person and I can't handle this person being an idiot. And I would just be like, it's fine. I think that's me like level 10. Um, I'm not there. And I think there are so many things I try. Um, one of the things, things I actually do try in those relationships and those situations is actually to try to hug the person. To just like try to figure out a way where we both pause, where we don't actually look each other in the eyes because they're losing conflict and actually just have physical touch. Um, So that really, really helps. Just like, okay, like, let me give you a hug and let's think about this. Because sometimes we just give the other person a hug. You just feel the other person and the real person and you just go, okay, I'm being super silly about this. Like, this is like, like you can have it. Like, it doesn't matter, right? Um, I think sometimes it, it sort of really helps taking a break. The problem is that so often when you're fighting with another person, like you might realize, like I often realize in relationship to my wife, I most often realize like, okay, this is not going to go in the direction I want. Not, not like, not like, you know, argumentation, I'm not going to quote unquote win, but I mean like now we're going down a spiral and I would just feel like, oh, okay, let's just break. Let's just like, can you just, can we just, just, can we just like not talk about this for two minutes and then let's continue. And then my wife feels really frustrated because she feels like, no, no, let me explain how I mean. And I feel like sometimes I feel like that would be so useful. And sometimes what I do is I just say, I just try to just, just, just try to listen to her. I just go like, okay, let's just listen. And let's listen so much. Like, let's make a game out of listening well. And just like try to like listen goddamn well that I ever can. But that's so hard because like in most argumentations, when somebody does that to you, they usually think that you're mocking them or something. So it's so hard to do it like in a nuanced way where she doesn't look like me, like why are you not, why are you silent in that strange way? But it's like, it's tricky, but I think sometimes it's one of those things I just touch and I get it. Like I feel like, ah, now, now I, like, I was able to do it again. One thing I do do though, is that, um, and this was after lots of mindfulness in uh, 2007, 2008, I sort of was on a, like going in and trying to figure out emotions where emotions are situated in the body. Because a lot of times when you're getting angry and tense or afraid or something, you actually, um, when you're actually angry, you can no longer think rational about it. But the thing is your body tenses up before you actually get over flooded by anger. So you can actually like, or I, I can at least feel in my body how I'm starting to get angry. And 
that's so amazing because now when I feel that feeling or when I feel coldness in my chest, it's like typically when I feel afraid, when I feel that thing, then my rational mind kicks in and goes like, ah, okay, I'm feeling anger. Oh, I'm feeling anger. Ah, and then before anger hits, like my rational mind is always like already thinking about it, labeled it. Um, so I think that's that's been helping a lot. And that kind of uh, rational when your rationality kicks in, that is something um, that started happening after. Uh, was that uh, did that start happening after you labeled it a lot of times, or did yeah. you meditate on it, or think about it, or, or so, how so, did you get that? Because that's a superpower to have something like that kick in. Yeah, so I think it was a combination. So first it was like when I did lots and lots of mindfulness, I had a mindfulness teacher um, who talked about um, like mind embodied. So he was really into like, you know, think about where in your mind worry is or something like that. So he's like, you know, you're sitting doing mindfulness and he was saying, so bring in a topic which you're worried about. Like think about the worry you have because you have something worried about. And then you're like start thinking about it. And then he said, now, how does your body feel? Like, go back to your body. Where does it feel? Where do you tense? Where are you cold? Where are you stressed? Where are you like that? And he walked me through your body. Or like, you know, and then he started, like, I started feeling like, ah, okay, this is a feeling I, oh, and then he said, like, relax, relax, ignore it. And I was like, ah, okay, okay, now I can feel the normal difference. And it's like, bring in anger. And like, it took a lot of work, right? Because you can't just like, turn on a light and be, be angry for real. But like, but then after a while, you, you, like it was, and also the hardest part was also, of course, to let go of it. To pick in the new emotion because when you start thinking about the thing you're worried about the streaky to those go let's go but what he, he did it so well and especially and i remember actually what he did like what he did between the emotions is that you kind of did like the normal like um yoga movements so like you know moved around a bit so like you kind of got your mind off it and then you sat down again and then you took a new emotion and i think that was so powerful because then it just opened up the fact that like you could even do it and for me i think that anger was that absolutely easiest one for me because um, anger was like I could so easily feel like my like getting like feeling my my shoulders tense and then realizing like ah no it's happening um, and fear is also really really e easy but the thing is I don't like cope like I'm not coping a lot usually when I become afraid I just like become more silent so I should like get more time to think but anger is really tricky because when I get angry then I sort of lash out so that's the time when I need to think more so kind of using the body's reaction and using the body's reactions as a trigger that reminds you of uh, snapping out, out of the situation. Yeah, and I try actually to use my body for other things as well. Like I use my body a lot for, for triggers. So, for example, um, often when I'm on phone conferences, I actually have like, you know, Steve Jobsian, you know, like, you know, the hand under your, under your chin kind of Steve Jobsian picture. And then like, but instead of that, I have it over my mouth, which looks like I'm just thinking. But what it is, it's a reminder for me that when I take off my hand, I have to think if actually I need to say something now, or I just want to say something now. And if I feel like I don't need to say something now, I can just put back my hand. Because because I talk too much, then the problem is like I tend to just comment on everything. But when I then sit and, and like have a hand across my mouth, then every time I take it off, it's a trigger for my body to go, uh, okay, put it back. And it's really, really easy. So I, like, I have a lot of those small, small triggers to just like remind me when I, oh, now I did this. Should I do this? No, I shouldn't do this. Okay, back, back in normal mode. Um, so I think you can like figure out those. And I think it's all about finding your own weakness. It's like you know the same thing where people who want to quit using Instagram or whatever. Just like my favorite trick for that when like talking to people about it is that if you can't remove it from your phone, then just like put it in a folder like four screens away, because that means that what's going to happen is you're going to scroll four screens, you're going to open a folder, and then you're going to go, what the fuck am I doing? 
Um, it's like it's like smokers, right? They're saying, I'm trying to stop smoking. And then another, a friend of them is saying, oh, you have a cigarette in your mouth. And they're like, shit, like, oh, I didn't think about it because it's so easy for them. So a friend of mine who tried to stop smoking, he had a, he had a cigarette package, but he also had duct tape in his uh, uh, bag all the time. And he, every time he had to smoke, he uh, like he, every time he like closed his, uh, so he took a smoke and then like duct taped the whole thing together, the, the pack, cigarette package. So every time he needed a new cigarette, he had to like rip up this whole duct tape. <laughs> and that was really good because like if he really like yeah. if he wanted to smoke he just ripped up the duct tape right but otherwise he was just like in the midst of ripping up the duct tape he was like okay fuck it like I, like I, I don't need to smoke like I skip this thing it's a silly that's great I, I, um, I have a lot of uh, things like that uh, my, my uh, Twitter password is in the, I have to really dig to find my no sorry my Facebook password I have to dig into I'm not going to tell where it is but it's hidden somewhere and I don't know it myself so I have to find it there yeah. so it's a real pain for me to log on to Facebook which makes me of course log on much less so I really like that kind of technique but those things are really great no, I think that I did the same thing with games on my computer. So I, I have my, I, I love playing a couple of games. I can get really into playing games. And what I do is like I play all of my games in on a PC. And what I do is I have my Mac on dual boot. And so I have Windows so I can dual boot to it. And then all the games are on Windows. So like when, when like, you know, finished with a call late in the evening, I could like, oh, maybe I should play a couple of rounds of Civilization 6. But then I just realized that I have to dual boot my computer and then, like in you know, all the tabs I have to save. I was like, okay, sh- I, don't, like, I don't need to, right? But if I really want to, then I'm just dual boot and I'll play, right? But I think it's so good because it's just that threshold that reminds me again, like, hey, what do you want to do? Um, I, think, I think we need this because I think we're all, I think you can be as stoic or rational as you want, but like the, the, we're just like emotional beasts running around. And then like something is tries to like sometimes remind us what we want. Totally. So going back to more like traditional stoicism do you have any um any stoic concepts or um, thought patterns or any like principles that you try to live more by than others yeah so i think that there are a couple of that like i i one thing is i i really never believe that i'm controlled but i do believe i have a choice and i think that's like i mean classic stoicism thing and i think that I think it's so easier just expectation wise to just relax if I know that I actually have little or no control what happens around me and instead focus on what I can do. Um, so I'd like fo- focus both on my emotions as we talked about, but then also scenario planning as we also talked about. And if I um, like I, I realized like it's so useful to just sometimes look and scale back and think about like you have a choice in every situation. And I know that whenever I tell this to people, they can just go bananas and like, what should I do? Should I quit my job? And it's like, yeah, I mean, you can quit your job, you can divorce, you can leave your kids, you can walk out for the meeting, you can like write off a whole investment, you can like, you can do whatever you want. And then the person saying, I don't want to quit my job. And it's like, no, 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 like, that's good, right? (laughs) Um, And I think that, like, that's the thing. I think the second you realize that you have a choice, it's so much easier. And like, the choice might be pretty extreme, right? The choice might be like, you know, I'll quit my job. But then the thing is, then at least you have that choice. And I think the second I feel trapped, and I think as most people, when you feel trapped, that's really, really bad. Because then you start to doing really irrational things. Um, but at the second you realize that I actually can cho- choose, it's just like the other option that I see is really absurd. Um, 
So that means that I probably, there is probably something else. And that's like on decision-making in general. I think that when you started decision-making, one thing that I, what a big thing for me, I, I don't remember, I think I listened to it on Farnham Street uh, Knowledge Project, where they talked about where most deci good decisions come from the fact when you realize that if somebody says, you know, you can either, either buy this house or you can live, like, you know, you can buy the next house next door. And then it's like, like there's always another option. There's an option to not own a house, to rent an apartment. There's always like a completely different thing you can do. And the thing is that the second you open up for like, you don't have to buy a house. You could rent an apartment. You could live with your parents. You can live with a friend. That's when you start to think clearly. Uh, and I think it's so good. So I, I love, I'm a big sucker for metaphors and things that just make me realize that, ah, there's a, there might be a third option. Or I really love uh, like Jeff Bezos, that it's always day one. Like, because it's always day one means that, for me at least, with my gaming mindset, as I already said, it's like, that means like tomorrow is just a new level of this game. So, I mean, it's like, it's like, it's just a new day. It's nothing better or worse. So how do you cultivate that um, kind of that realization as opposed to just intellectually understanding that yeah. you have a choice? Like, how do you like feel that you have a choice and actually... Yeah. The thing is, I I, so there, I I journal a bit, and I think that I journal in two different ways. So I journal, um, I journal like mind dumping journaling when like I just like, um, and this is I I did it a lot when I was getting into and learning my, my um, stoicism. So this is very much me in two thousand sixteen, seventeen, and even eighteen a bit. So then what I did is like I did um, just dump my mind on a on a sheet, and like I did it in in a in a document, like in a online. I mean, so like on in software. Because the good thing with that is just you just type and type and type and type, and I and after typing, I just read what I wrote, and when I read it, I was like, what? And I used a service called uh, Seven Hundred Fifty Words. So that's the service when you write when you get to seven hundred fifty words, it saves. So what happens is that essentially you need to write for 15 to 25 minutes. And that's really good because after 15 oh, to 25 minutes... Oh, so it forces minutes, you to do that. Yeah, you can't say before. You can't say before. Um, mm. So you just type and then it, you're at 750. It's like, this is saved. And then you like, I, I just close it. I just close the tab. I don't care. It's like gone. But the thing is, writing it is so good. And and there in the beginning, when you use 750 words, you write like really structured, you start like bulleted and whatever. But then for a while, you still want to get rid of this 15 minutes because like you want to do something else. So then you just like try to get the thing in your mind out as quickly as possible without even thinking about what you're writing. And that is amazing because then you sort of see what's inside you. It's like, you know, it's kind of like just rummaging through your garbage bin and finding like, you know, you know, 12 packages of cigarettes. You're like, what shit? Like, I'm smoking. I had no idea. <laughs> And like you feel like the guy in Memento, you know, like you, the movie Memento. Yeah. Like he does, he has, so like you just pull stuff out of your mind. You're like, mm. I actually thought these things. Like for real, these are actually my thoughts. And actually I felt them and thought about it. Oh shit, that's really strange. So that's one thing that was so good because that it just like, it made me like, I, it was like the Memento guy where I suddenly tattooed these things to my body. I was like, I'd seen them. And I'd seen them once. I knew they were real. And the other thing I did, I was like journaling by subject. And then what I did is like I bought I, I bought a book, like a really like fancy book. And then like, you know, think about like Moleskin, but actually another one. Um I like German brand, I'm trying to remember what they're called now. And and a fountain pen. And the reason I did that, because a fountain pen is it's really slow. Like you have to write really slowly because otherwise you don't almost get nothing. And then I like I take take a subject. So then the subject might be choice. Or the subject might be like, you know, this meeting at work. 
and then I write one page. And I have to write really slowly because the fountain pen is so slow. And that was amazing because then I had to really think through. And it's like because I had, my mind was so much faster than the pen, I'd circulated the subject like five times until I got a good sentence. And I wrote that sentence and I wrote that sentence and I wrote that sentence. And after writing that page, it's like highly therapeutic. Um, and the nice thing about it is it's kind of like the opposite of the daily 750 words because it's not this trashy mind dumping. It's kind of the distilled, like, you know, so what is my choice? And then, like, I did, like, a little diagram. Like, I bulleted up the three choices. I ranked them. I was like, oh, is this... There, there is a fourth choice, of course, like, four. And it's, like, very, very nice. It was, like, super nice because then I kind of got into it. And th- every time I did that about something I get stressed about, I had this pretty page that I just, you know, wrote and drew. And I could look at it. So I looked at that page. I was like, look, mm, it's really true. So one thing I did for a long while is that... Um, I scheduled these 750 words things where I just mind dumped and I usually did it in the evening uh, which was a bit tricky because then I'm stressed and want to do other things but it, like I, that's why I started doing it and then what I did and the other one that uh, subject journaling is I went to one of my favorite coffee stores in town that has an, almost no seats it's an espresso bar which is like one big uh, like bar and I just got a coffee and stood there and wrote in my book and drank a cup of coffee so it was like super nice standing there drinking a cup of coffee and writing a book and like nobody really cares, right? And it was super nice because that made it a pretty positive ritual uh, with that cup of coffee in the morning. And it was super nice. And I kind of, you know, I didn't want to quit because the second I had to quit, I'd like check my email and everything else. So it was like one of those things where I kind of, you know, had a joy of doing it. So that was really good of me to kind of figure out um, control and choice a lot. Um, so you wrote a lot about choices uh, as well then? Yeah, but like about anything. Another one is like, um, I really sort of, I realized how, I realized how I think I was, I'm very little driven by fear now. And I think before I was much more driven by fear. And like, you know, fear as like fear of missing out or loss aversion. I could be like, um, not like, not like knowing what's happening in the world. I think news was the first thing. When Trump was elected, um, that's really when it hit me. Um, I realized that when I was watching the news or reading the newspaper or anything else, I just like I heard the same story again. And I got so angry. It was like all these stupid things, like Trump got elected. It's like horrible. I got like super frustrated. And then suddenly I realized that I felt like the guy on the highway that sees a car crash. And there's like the ambulance and everything. It's blood and gore and fire. And a rubber duck. I just like need to stare at these people who are dying by the road. And there's nothing I can do, right? I should just the worst thing I can do is stare at them because A, they don't need me staring and B, I might, you know, kill myself and another person by hitting their car. So I should just ignore them. But it's so hard because like when Trump says something stupid, you just turn their neck and go, did he really say that? So I think what, then I realized that this thing called news, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, whether it's like, you know, actual like news, like cable, like, you know, what on TV news, they just steal my attention and time. And then, like, I, but that was also when I was reading a lot of no, uh, mindfulness, uh, sorry, on stoicism, I really realized that I'm a big believer of not giving other people the keys to my mind. Like, I, I don't know how many times I've told people that you lock your bike every day, but then you give other people the keys to your mind. Like, constantly, you just, you watch ads, and you're fine with it. It's like the most, the stupidest thing you can do, because now suddenly you're, like, affected emotionally and distracted by them. So that's the thing, it's like... Yeah, or, or you let their bad mood ruin your day. Yeah, 
That was the thing that happened with Trump with me, right? Like, I got in a bad mood for, like, 10 minutes, completely unnecessarily. So then I was realized, like, I really don't want to watch these things. And then I started to feel like, I was like, I'll just stop. And then, of course, I immediately got a massive FOMO. I just, like, something's happening on Facebook when I don't know. And, so you know, you're going to get into work today, and somebody's, like, going to say, ooh, so great that Benjamin, like, they did it finally. And you don't know what it is. You're going to be like, did what? Did they get married, or, you know, did they buy it, or did they leave, or did, like, what happened? And it feels so embarrassing. And then I just made it a massive statement. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to be driven by fear. And I'm going to be the guy that comes in to work. And somebody says, oh, great that Benjamin finally did it. And I'm like, what did they do? And if people said, like, uh, you know, they did this, didn't you see that? I was like, no, I have no idea what it is. So to the extent where I was on a party this summer um, in Stockholm on an, on an island, and somebody said, that's schmoody, 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 shouldn't you talk to her? And I leaned in towards the person and said, who is schmoody, 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 schmoody? And it's like, it's the climate minister in Sweden. And I was like, oh, okay. And can you point at her again? Because I don't know who it is. And the person like laughed. It's like, you're so funny. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't know who it is. I literally have no idea who it is. Can you just point me to the person? And the person who looked at me is like, how, like, you're into climate. How can you not know who the climate minister is? And it's like, you just told me. I didn't need to know, right? You just, you just told me. Like, I, there's no reason for me to know this. And that was such a relief, knowing that I saved so much time by like, not watching the news, by, by not using Facebook at all. Um, by not using Instagram, by not like reading newspapers. It's just so relaxing. There's so much time I save every day. And what I do read, though, is I have curated feeds. So I use like, I read lots of TechCrunch. I read a lot of like news feeds, but through RSS feeds. And I use Twitter because on Twitter, I can just unfollow anybody who just like distracts me and just follow things that I get, get things from. And I think it's so much better because, because I don't like, if we're friends on Facebook, I can't like unfollow you on Facebook because it's like I'm an asshole. Uh, but on Twitter, I can. I can just like I'll unfollow him. Like I think it's frustrating what it's writing. So I think it's so nice to just like on Twitter. Like I don't know who you are, so I can just like be. I, you're again, you're a villager. Like I just unfollow this person. I I totally agree. Uh, I, I've done much of the same things myself. Remove the news feed from Facebook. Uh, put tons of restrictions on my phone so I can only access social media at certain times. And I don't read news anymore, and because I feel feel that because I actually noticed on myself that I got pissed off and almost became a little bit polarized myself by seeing yeah. too much of one side of the uh, the case. Uh, so yeah. so I got like angry, very angry at uh, at things, um, and, and I didn't like that because I feel that. Uh, the direct polarization that's happening in the world today uh, is partly caused by people caring too much about things that actually doesn't matter that much in the end. Yeah, and also think they can't affect. That's the thing when I, I yeah. think about like, getting into stoicism. It's like, oh, Trump just, you know, Trump just like banned, abor US banned abortion in certain states. Like, so what are we going to do about it? Like, I don't live in the US. I'm not going to be like, you know, in Washington with, with like pickets and like, I'm just going to be angry at it for like a week and hate them. But then, and it feels so horrible because I mean, there are people in the world that are really damaged by this, but I can't do anything about it. And I can, of course, but then, I, then it's, and I really believe that with myself. It's like, there are like a handful of things that I should focus on. And apart from that, I should just not, not care at all. 
And I think that that's really what I do. So like, there's a handful of things that I do, like. I try to double down on and do like hundred percent and really like know everything about it. And if it's outside that, I try to not know. And the thing is, as I said, like I make it a statement. So I tell people like to their face is like, I don't read news. Like I don't know what you're talking about. And that's actually super useful because when people say stuff like. Um, blah, 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 happening now, you know, in, you know, the Amazons are on fire and, you know, the Brazilian president doing this. Like, isn't it horrible? I can do like, um, can you just tell me about it? And like, but you've seen it. No, I have no idea what it is. Can you just tell me about it? And they're like, seriously? Yeah. And like, because I want to make like a rational thinking about it. So they, they start telling me this of Bolsonaro and I was like, who's Bolsonaro? He's the president. But is he like a democratic president? Nah, he's like a military junta guy. Did he do a coup? And it's like, no, he got elected. Ah, why? And then people like retell me the whole story. And I can like, then I can be completely clinical about it. And it's like, it sounds like it was a rather just election. And the people are like, yeah, but he's an idiot. Yeah. But then there are other problems in Brazil I get that make us, and like, what are there problems in Brazil that gets them to elect a person like this? And the person goes, I don't know. Listen, this is about the Amazons. And he's like, yeah, but there's obviously something in Brazil that makes people choose this person and then makes that person be an idiot. So yes, we shouldn't burn the Amazons, but there's probably another problem in Brazil also. And the person is like, I've never thought about that. No, that's because you just read the news. Yeah. So you kind of get, you get the information, though you get it from someone... Uh, you, you get it from someone you talk with and not uh, from a, a website or a feed and you can actually yeah, and discuss think, it there and then yeah and I think what's so good about it I think that for, like first of all like it's really really hard to miss out on news because people just tell you shit constantly all the time as if it was the most important thing ever as like you know if, if Brad Pitt remarries I mean somebody will tell you tomorrow and you don't want to know but somebody will God tell you it's so important for them but the other thing I think is so nice about it when somebody tells me that the Amazons are burning I can go in and ask questions because I don't know anything right because I have to like go through the whole argument and I don't know where like where it makes sense to stop like I didn't know if Bolsonaro was elected or it was a coup and when people say he was elected then I go like huh he sounds like a really strange person how did this guy get elected and then when I get so surprised when the person says I don't know but then it's like the reason I can ask the question is because I have a child's mind like I don't know I don't know if this is part of the story or if it's not part of the story Whereas the other person hasn't even thought about it because they're just angry because they read a tweet. And I think that's so powerful when you come in with a child's mind not seeing the news. Then you can ask a question until you get to, like, you know, what happens if, you know, Trump's getting impeached? Well, Mike Pence will take over. Is that better? And, like, do I want... My, and somebody says, don't you want Trump to be impeached? I was like, yeah. You know, like, on all, like, you know, rational grounds, but like, you know, on emotional grounds. But, like, I want to discuss the consequences as well. Um, and I think it's because like you, when you have a child's mind or like a beginner's mind, you kind of have to ask all the questions because you don't know. <laughs> so I think it's super, super useful. And that's the same actually as me as an investor. Like when I, when I talk to a startup, usually what always happens is the startup tells me what they do. And I, I think it happened when we talked the first time. You told me what you do, I think. And then I retold it. I was like, okay, let me retell it and let, like, tell me when I'm wrong. And I retold you what you do. And then you were like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, almost. And like we did it a couple of times and we're like, okay, that's better than what I did. So like, this is good. And that's like what I really like because when I go in not knowing and try to retell the story, then if I can't figure it out, like if I like the fifth time try to retell it, then I've got like, I shouldn't invest. 
Yeah, I, I remember you had a very, uh, when you were telling uh, other investors about Scrimba, you had the uh, kind of develop your own pitch about it or, or talked with it in your own yeah. words, which I wouldn't. And you had changed, you had removed the zero from one place, from 100x to 10x. <laughs> we were probably yeah. exaggerating uh, on 100x, and you probably felt that 10x is enough <laughs> to, to, enough, exactly, to yeah, brag yeah. about the compression uh, of Scrimba. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the aggression. Um, so I just wanted to, to drill a little bit into that, which you said with, about not caring about, about the big things that are outside of your control, because then you said you talked about five things that are in your control, because it is a little bit embarrassing, as you say, to, to kind of say, yeah, I don't follow the news. I don't know about those kinds of big politics, which kind of people pride themselves to, to talk about those kinds of things. So 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 um, it, it can be a bit embarrassing to, to say that to people. Um, but, um, but you feel that... Uh, but that's kind of a cost you have to take in order to be able to direct all your focus towards the, the th few things that are in control. Is that kind of the trade-off you have Absolutely. there? Or? Absolutely. And actually, I find it so often where, I mean, I would be lying if I would be saying that I don't partly even enjoy not knowing. I can find it really, really nice when people are like, what, how can you not know that, you know, whatever... Like who, how can you not know who Kim Kardashian is? And I was like, I, I don't know. Like I've heard the name so many times, but I have no idea. Is it is is are they royal? Is it like is it multiple people? Is it like is it he or she? Like I don't know. Like sorry. And I can just enjoy being the person who's just like I don't know. Um, and then somebody says like it was a great game yesterday, and it's like which sport? And people are like, are you kidding me? It's like I don't do sports. Like I have no idea. Um, and I just I just enjoy just like not knowing. And then if somebody talks about, you know, legislation for child sized sex robots or um, gut biome or synthetic biology or nuclear reactors, then, hey, I'm going to talk till you die, because like I've thought about this subject for a long time. Um, so I mean, if it's in my focus area, then I really, really, really want to learn everything. But if it's outside, I prefer to be completely blank on it. I'm super happy to have still not seen a picture of Kim Kardashian. I think I've probably seen a picture of Kim Kardashian. I don't know how, how <laughs> he or she looks. Yeah, I, probably she, has crossed your she. eye at, at some point yeah, exactly. uh, walking yeah. uh, through a Nordvesten store um, yeah, exactly, or, or a new, newspaper store. Yeah. But, okay. Um, so... Um, We've talked a lot about control here, which is kind of a core thing uh, in Stoicism, like uh, being uh, indifferent towards uh, things that are outside of your control, or, or at least trying to be indifferent towards it, and, and, and focus on the things are, that are inside of your control. And, and you obviously have some techniques for doing that uh, and for limiting your uh, the, 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 the info you get about things that are outside of your control. But I also wonder, what kind of things that are outside of your control do you struggle the most with kind of accepting that are outside of your control? That's a great question. I think the biggest thing for me is like I have a really hard time when people are irrational or when people are very short-sighted uh, in their decision-making. And that can make me like really, really sad and anger, angry. Mm. Um, I also have the... Short-sighted? What, what, what do you mean? Can you... So, like, what I mean is, like, I usually say... I usually always, like, when whenever like whenever there's a shitty kid in school um, and my kids say, oh, this kid is such a horrible kid. I, like, when Bob is an asshole. So, so tell me again, like, why why is Darth Vader evil? And my kid says, like, 
He's evil because he's sad. Yeah, why is Darth Vader sad? Because he was like, when he grew up, he had this relationship, he really loved a person. Somebody said to him that he could like, you know, grasp for the skies and become powerful to save them. And he was all a lie. And he got super, super sad. And when he got sad, he gets super, super angry and like wanted to lash back at everybody. Exactly. So wh who, who is evil? Sad people. Okay. So why is Bob evil? Bob is sad. Exactly. What do we do with the sad people? We're nice to them. Yes, we're nice to them. Be nice to Bob, and Bob, Bob is going to be nice to you back. But that's one thing, which is just evil because people are sad. The other kind of evil is when people, like, they prefer short to long. So they don't try to play the long game. If you play the long game, you realize that if you're nice to people, in the end, it's going to be great. But then the thing is, there are two cookies left, and you're three kids. So then you snack a cookie quickly and, like, you know, run. That means that tomorrow, nobody will trust you. And people, like, don't want you to come over and everything else. But it's so hard because, like, you want the cookie now. And I think that we all do this as grown-ups constantly. And I think the tricky thing is, like, if you, if you instead think really long, it's like, I'm sort of trying to win the long game, not the short game. Uh, every game is like, again, you just wake up every day and you do the game. So the thing is, you, you shouldn't win this day. You should win the long game. Um, and I think that's what pisses me off when people play the short game. I just see them like, why the fuck did you take the cookie, you idiot? And like when grown-ups, like when kids do it, I know they're kids, <laughs> yeah. but like when grown-ups do it, like... Oh, you idiot. And, you know, like the, and that, that's sometimes, you know, that people now with like climate breakdown, where people are like, yeah, we're celebrating my 40th birthday on the Maldives. We're inviting uh, 50 friends. I'm like, you're kidding me. Like, are you inviting friends to the Maldives? That's just so ironic because it's not going to be around in 30 years. And people are like, no, I know. So we want to celebrate now. It's like, oh, shit, that's even worse. You even know. <laughs> yeah. But that's just yeah, like them. We're eating uh, ecological foods when we're there. Exactly. It's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, so exactly. And I think that's sometimes. So the two kinds of evil for me are like sad evil and then short evil. And those two things are really hard for me to see. Sad evil is so much easier to handle because it's like they're just sad, right? But short evil is so tricky to handle. And the other thing I can't handle is people who haven't thought through their decisions. So they act and they just don't realize that. Like if you thought about this for five minutes, you could have so easily seen like how this would hurt other people. Mm. Um, so when people act that way, you you like you get too I attached to how they are acting. Uh, yeah. Without so then then you can struggle with like uh, catching your yeah, that, or, or yeah. then, uh, until you can maybe catch your anger. Then if yeah, that trigger takes in, I think what the problem with me is that what happens for me is that then it sort of snaps in me, and I believe that I should course correct. Like, I believe that I should try to control the world for two minutes and, and help them to be better people and, and help to protect other people and stuff like that, which is just like, you just skip it, right? Just like, you know, it's not going to work. These people, are not, they're like, and this person is 36 years old. They're never going to be, they're never, ne never not going to fly to the Maldives. Um, so then either just lash out and go like, you know, you're, you're crazy, right? And like, talk to them or just go, you know, let them fly to the Maldives. I mean, it's like, there's so many people flying to Maldives everywhere. So, like, why fight this person? And I think that the problem is, like, I sort of, I, like, I become angry and sometimes, like, in a stupid way and, like, you know, try to course correct and, like, you know, fix things. Which is like, this is outside my control. And also, like, they've booked the trip. Like, I don't want to ruin their vacation. I mean, they're going into the Maldives. They've paid shit tons of money. Why should I now pee on their whole thing? And they're going to be there and, like, you know, think it's horrible. I should just be like, that's amazing. Like, enjoy the Maldives. Uh, but I can't. And that's like super, super stupid of me. Yeah, it's kind of like your daughter with that silly thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it just let other people have it. 
yeah, exactly. But it's hard. It's, uh, exactly. But it's 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 hard to cultivate uh, that when when you see when you get angry of, of people making those kinds of at least for the world irrational decisions. Yeah, but I can even make it for for uh, I can even see it when they make stupid decisions for themselves. Okay. So. So for me, it's like there are two things that typically come when I when I coach younger people, like like when I work with students or just young founders. It's typically like boys, like you know, guys. They don't have to be. They're not that young, but like you know, you know the, you know, they're like twenty to thirty year old guys who say something, and I know they don't know what they're talking about, and they say it to to sound smart, and I just like I just like, you, stop, and I get like pissed off at them. And the other thing is girls who know exactly what they're talking about. But then just say, yeah, no, I don't think I'm going to do this. It's too much. And I just like, fuck you. It's like, you know, like, stop it. Like, you know what you're going to do. Like, just just do it. And I think that's those are the situations when, especially when I coach people, when I snap out of being a coach for like a minute and just like, I want to grab them. I usually just grab them if I'm physically in the room. I just grab them by the shoulders like, no, 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 no. You don't do that with me. Um, and like years afterwards, people can say that was the best thing I did. But I usually feel about the same ashamed of it because I lose control for a minute. Because I just feel like, no, you don't pull that trick. You just, like, be be your real you, not, like, some kind of stupid, silly, you know, archetypical, like, 18-year-old go- guy or, like, 18-year-old girl, um, even if you're, like, they're 30. So I think that's that's definitely something what's tricky to work with. Yeah. So we're running uh, over time here, uh, but... Um, Finally, uh, before I let you go, uh, I'd love to hear what tips you have for people who right now maybe are interested in stoicism, have, have read a little bit about it, uh, but aren't sure how they should kind of approach it on a day-to-day basis and, and practice it more. Do you have any tips? Yeah, I think that's it's so hard because I was thinking about it before and it's... It's so strange. I think this is one of those things. It comes and goes, like ebbs and flows for me whenever people say, how do you get into doing X? I think sometimes I come with a list of recommendations and it feels so obvious. And sometimes I just feel like you can't change people. Um, and I think that I I interviewed a lot of people a couple of years ago about uh, change and thinking. And I interviewed this um, pastor, actually, in the US, like a religious man. And he said this amazing thing, which is apparently is like something from Bible studies in the US, which is you can't answer the question not being asked. So this is some, it's like when people go to in like church school, um, whatever you call it, uh, he said like, do you never tell them, like you never start by telling them like, like God and like, you just, you don't, because they're not going to listen. You're talking about life and injustice and these things. And then suddenly people ask the question. And he said, when people ask you the question, you can give them the answer. Mm. So if, when they ask you the question then, when they're like, yeah, Humpus, I want to get into uh, stoicism more. Well, what are yeah. your best tips? Then I would say, why do you want to get into stoicism? Mm. And then they would say, like, oh, I want to get in control of my emotions. Then it's like, ah, okay. Then I would look into labeling. I think labeling is amazing. And I would say, like, for example, I really, really like uh, on that. I, I think Sam Harris um, podcast, the Wake Up podcast, as, and, and now there's the app, is amazing. I think what he's done is amazing. His description of, like, your mind is a glass jar that you walk around with and it's, like, fills with emotion around you. It's amazing because it really, really helps you to separate, like, you from the rest of the world. I think it's great. I mean, if somebody says, I want to read, like, what great people historically have thought about it, I think, like, hey, I mean, I mean Ryan Holiday is amazing because what the cool thing about Ryan Holiday's books, both Ego is the Enemy and Obstacles the Way, is that you find out these these 
problems we have about attention and everything they're they're not they're not new i love like you know and I, like if you read seneca and marcus aurelius i think what's so cool about that is like i love it in i think it's seneca when he writes about like he's walking around in rome and he gets like super distracted because somebody has like a new kind of fancy thing and he just want to figure out what they're doing and all of the whole text is obviously just like we read it to modern eyes it's like instagram He's just like, you know, refreshing Instagram. It's like, oh shit, they're there. They've got a new car. And, it's like, and he's, he's irritated that he's doing that. He just wished he didn't care. Um, and I think it's so good because you realize this guy is like, this is like 2,000 plus years ago. And, or like almost. But the, and this guy was thinking about it. And now we're thinking about it the same. So it's like it's a human condition. It's not, it's not you. It's not Instagram. It's us. And I think that's such a good thing. I totally agree. That's that's exactly what I felt when I read Meditations. It was like, holy shit, yeah. did they have these problems 2,000 years ago? So little yeah. has changed. And that yeah. brings a certain weight to it. But I think that's actually really good. I think that one of the things I really, really liked is that where, where I think that Stoicism has helped me as well is like zooming out and thinking about things on like the humanity level. Because um, I think that the, there are so many times I think that when I think about things that I do that are shitty, things that Trump does, things that the US is doing, whatever. And I think the second I can like zoom out and like think about us as like humanity, then it's like, I think it's so much easier. And I think one of the things that really helped for me as well is like when I think about humanity is that realizing that we're not like the creators. It's not like that we're gods and run the world or anything. Like we're just like a, a monkey that like taught how to use <laughs> fire. And like, you know, it's like, yeah. it's so strange. It's us and not the octopus running the world. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of the things I think is so nice about it is that seeing that and like we're just like any other animal, then it makes it so much easier when people do the shitty thing. It's like, you know, they're just villagers. It's you and the zoo again with the fly down. It's just like it helps me relax and helps me like, hey, like we're just animals. Like, you know, Zeneca had the problem and he wrote this amazing book. I have the problem. I'm not that smart, but we're just animals. Yeah. Animals and uh, characters in a show or a movie or, uh, or Minecraft or, or villagers. Yeah, or NPCs. Yes, yeah. that's, uh, that's a great analogy for thinking about the world. All right. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for uh, showing up today and sharing your thoughts. Thanks a lot for having me. Uh, and with that, I say goodbye. <laughs>